With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to 2024 and another year of soccer down here. Well, technically, it's just it's another calendar year of soccer down here. Uh, season eight begins at the end of the month. And we can't thank all of y'all enough. Uh, can't thank uh, everybody who listens, who interacts, who reaches out the way that you do here at Soccer's Morning Show. It is another calendar year of soccer down here in 2024. Hopefully a morning ropes. Uh, last day of break. What Last day of break. But uh, no, just once again, yeah, we, we've made it to another year, another calendar year. In short order, we will have made it to another year year, season eight of the SDH Network. We've got a lot of stuff coming. Uh, we got our high school games of the week that are going to be coming in short order in February. And so it's going to be uh, really fun to get everything gassed up and ready to go. We couldn't start off another season without, I uh, couldn't start off another calendar year without uh, Jarrett Smith hopping on. Morning, Jarrett. Morning, John. We've Welcome made it to 2024. 2024. Thanks. Buy me a soda. Uh, buy a new coach at Birmingham City. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, you know, as, as wrestling aficionados here, we, we have always said that so-and-so screwed themselves. And I think it's safe to say that Birmingham City screwed Birmingham City. Yeah, Birmingham City worked themselves into the shoot here. <laughs> um, you had a manager who had you in six, and fired him for the big fancy name and lights, um, which how'd was that, interesting. How'd that because, go for you? Well, I mean, it was interesting in the sense that, like, like DC wasn't lighting the world on fire in MLS. No. Um, no. But... Rooney felt for me fell into that category of managers where I'm watching him going, he doesn't have a lot to work with right now. And I don't know if he's able to fully apply his whole game model the way he wants to and play and function the way he really wants to. Mm-hmm. Where where he is in DC. Or, you know, if he goes somewhere where they're gonna say, hey. Um, and look, I mean, Birmingham City's going to have a bigger budget just because it's England. And you have to because, you know, we're, you look at the prices of things in and out of England when it comes to players. And 
you know, there's frankly attacks on players at times. Like you're going to pay more because you're an English club is what it is. Um, he's got the Birmingham city and, and whether those are his guys or not, you can't lose what, 13 and 15 or 15 to 17. Whatever yeah. It was. He had two wins in 15. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't go winless in 13 out of 15 games. Like, you can't, no. um, because now they're they're like staring down the barrel of relegation, and they're kind of like they got to go look in the mirror, and like oh, Jesus. I mean, we we were kind of in the middle, <clears throat> and we swung big trying to get to the top, and we fell off the damn ladder, and now we got to hope that Affleck covers this, <laughs> and I don't know that it does, and no. I don't know what Wayne Rooney does next. Well, I mean, they were sixth when they got when they uh, decided to let go of John Eustace. And right now, after winning only two of 15, they be in 20th. 20th! That, yeah. that's, that's not you sixth. Collapsed. I mean, yeah, you, you collapsed, man. Like, <clears throat> that's, that's just what it is. You, you got problems. You got, you got to figure them out. That's a, that's a you problem now, Birmingham City, because mm-hmm. you, you went big. You brought in the big name guy who, I mean, look, I mean, we, it's weird because, like, I think we felt like, like he didn't do bad work at Derby, yeah? No, he saved Darby's ass. Yeah. Sorry, Darby. Um, he, you know, he saved Darby. <laughs> DC was weird and, like, DC just, like, it was condensed down to, hey, it's vertical as hell out here. Mm-hmm. What do we got? Uh, we got Christian Benteke. All right. <clears throat> That's our lighthouse. Everybody just kick it to the lighthouse. Yeah. And then we really vertical. Um, but then you got teams <clears throat> like what Atlanta did to him. And Atlanta's not the only one. That's just the one we watched personally in that first game. Or the first game, the game of the Benz. Um, where if you closed down that long ball, Mm-hmm. They weren't playing through you, and other teams did that to them. You take that away from them, they weren't playing through you. No, but yeah, man, like, don't know what the hell happened at uh, Birmingham. Winning two of fifteen, you drop from sixth to twentieth, and uh, doing the math—that's not good. But right now, you're still six points from uh, six points from relegation. Sheffield Wednesday uh, had a match yesterday. They are. 22nd of 24. They're at 22 points. Huddersfield at 25. Birmingham City at 28. First team coach Carl Robinson has also been dismissed. Uh, One sentence. Second paragraph. Despite their best efforts, results have not met the expectations that were made clear at the outset. Therefore, the board feels that a change in management is in the best interest of the football club. Maybe you shouldn't have let go of John Eustace in the first place, but that's just me. Club's board and management are fully aligned and will continue to drive transformation and take bold steps to rebuild Birmingham City into the organization its fans and community deserve. Uh, and then the board would like to place on record their sincere thanks to Wayne and Carl for all their efforts. Rooney, uh, let's see, first sentence does the thank yous. Second sentence, football is a results business. And I recognize they've been at the level I wanted them to be. However, time is the most precious commodity a manager requires. And I do not believe. 13 weeks was sufficient to oversee the changes that were needed. Personally, it will take me some time to get over the setback. I've been involved in professional football as either a player or a manager since I was 16. 
Now I plan to take some time with my family as I prepare for the next opportunity in my journey as a manager. I wish Birmingham City and its owners my best wishes in the pursuit of their ambitions. CEO Gary Cook decided to add a statement. Uh, unfortunately, Wayne's time with us did not go as planned. <laughs> did not understatement. Here's the undersell of the day. Gary Cook, CEO of Birmingham City. Unfortunately, Wayne's time with us did not go as planned. And we've decided to move in a different direction. Search for a successor begins. Uh, blah, blah, blah. New owners dismissed John Eustace once again from our friends at The Athletic. He was in sixth. They cited a need for a winning mentality and a culture of ambition. Wonder what happened in those last 15 matches leading up to earlier this morning. Just wasn't, wasn't good enough. I mean, you bring it in, you, you can have aspirations, but I mean, you have aspirations about how you want to do things. And you're not, they're not the first or the last team to do that, to like have those aspirations that just don't pay off. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you get the bear, man. Sometimes the bear gets you. And mm-hmm. how they move forward will be interesting. And what Rooney does next will be interesting. Does he just kind of chill out for a while? Like, take a breather? I don't know, go take a walk? Um, ooh, I don't know where his next stop would be. Yeah. I don't know what his options are, but maybe just take a breather for a minute. And, you know, think things over and chill out. U.S.-based Shelby Companies Limited completed their takeover at St. Andrews back in July. Tom Brady announced as a minority investor in August. 19 months at Darby County for Rooney, unable to prevent their relegation to League One in 2022, following a 21-point deduction and the club spending virtually the entirety of the 21-22 season in administration. And you found... That was so damn... That was, like, to your point, John, that was the impressive part, man. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, Wayne Rooney, I mean, Wayne Rooney even forgave some of his immediate pay to make sure that players were paid so they could hang around and still try to stave off relegation despite being in administration. Uh, You found some interesting numbers involving managers from that have, that were part of uh, the playing, the golden generation of the players. You found some interesting numbers, once again, courtesy of our friends at BBC Sport. Steven Gerrard, 145 wins in 254 games. Winning percentage of 57%, but you had a massive caveat to that going into that statistic. Uh, You mean, man, it's an old front team. Uh Uh-huh. And that's going to pump up your stats. Like, it just is. It's nothing really to like hold directly over Gerard. You can hold his other failures in England over him if you want to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it told Wayne to go take over an old firm team. Um, bump up those numbers because yeah, you're when you manage an old firm team, you're gonna have a hell of a winning percentage because if you don't, you're not gonna be there, as Michael Beal point uh, proved to you. Second on the list was Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, 81 wins in 196 matches, winning percentage of 41.3. Gary Neville, 10 wins in 28, winning percentage of 35.7. Wayne Rooney, 40 wins in 155 matches, winning percentage of 25.8. Paul Scholes won 3 and 12 to go at 25%. Saul Campbell won 12 of 53 to go at 22.6%. And all of this. Leading the, they lose Birmingham City. They lost in their uh, last match three nil, 
And when the the match was over, Rooney got taunted by the fans after after the match was over, and he went ahead and said it was unacceptable that uh, you were getting taunted here. He unacceptable taunts languishing in twentieth. A pre uh, let's see, so mercilessly taunted. And this is from uh, our friends at uh, the Times. Mercilessly taunted by the home supporters, cut a frustrated figure. Ninth loss in fifteen. Sixth in the Skybet Championship, Rooney said, denying yesterday he was on the brink. I know football's about opinions, but the only chant I didn't appreciate was one about Jimmy Savile. I don't think that's acceptable, really. Later transpired, both sets of fans exchanged chants about the Leeds-born Savile, though not in relation to Rooney. Rooney. Rooney claimed that this month's transfer window could help solve some of his team's main problems. Unfortunately, he won't be the guy to do it. So uh, Rooney's been held exclusively responsible for this. Yeah. I mean, but that's that's the Aberdeen situation that we've talked about for the last two years now. Um, that that that, and we talked about it because Atlanta's connections to Aberdeen in the past, right? But like for two years now, Aberdeen went into the January window changing managers, and in one case, violently changing philosophy, mm-hmm. like from one end of the magnet to the other and you you're handing the january window over to somebody who might have a different philosophy from the philosophy from the guy you just hired you don't know how like you don't exactly know how the roster is going to fit um run into this watching celtic which jason got to hate watch with me (laughs) saturday morning uh, over text Mm -hmm. um just because, like, Brendan Rodgers, as, as Jason uh, uh, opined, Brendan Rodgers has lost his fastball, his curveball, and his changeup. <laughs> yeah. um, but you, you, when you change managers and styles like that, like, different players are going to be impacted differently. They're going to play differently. You know, some guys benefit from some styles more so than others. Um, it's the Aberdeen situation here where you're changing managers and like, ah, January window will fix everything. But, but how? Who's your manager? Are you going to uh-huh. hire a manager like this week and start to work on with like 20 days in the window? Like, are you going to try and have an interim and see this out? Like, you, you going to go get Big Sam and try yes. and build guys to play like that to try and stave off relegation? Like, oh. how, you, how, how are you going to do this? Like, how do you how do you how do you plan to use that window? You fire someone at the beginning of January, like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you. How do you use the January window? Are you just gonna waste a bunch of money on what you you don't? Are you do you know exactly what you're going to do? Yeah, with permanent manager with style, how you won't play? Like, it matters. What and that's the thing. What are you gonna do with this? You could sit there and it's like, yeah, we want to change our culture. Blah 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 blah. But as we saw with as we saw with Jesse Marsh at Leeds, as we saw with Bob Bradley at Swansea, impatient owners screw themselves. Impatient owners create impatient situations, and then you want to try to whiplash your way into trying to fix the situation. Birmingham City screwed Birmingham City. They put themselves into a damn corkscrew trying to sit there and bring exciting football, in quotation marks, in with Wayne Rooney, then you win two of 15 
In the last 15 matches, Birmingham City's at the bottom of points scored in the last 15 matches in uh, in the championship. And you are now two wins out of the relegation zone. You were sixth when you hot when you let John Eustace go. We want to bring in Wayne Rooney. See what you did? And now you've got the January window where my guess is you're going to try to bring in folks either cheap or on loan. And then you're the man, as Jared says, what are you going to do for a manager? You're going to bring in a manager that's just going to want to sit there and try to just rack up points and sit there. And it's like, all right, we're not going to do anything for 90 minutes. We're going to be the most boring team out there to try to stave off relegation because we screwed ourselves. <sighs> this is what happens. What happened no, just it's just the, the impatience of the owners and now trying to oh. fix the situation. It's just like, look, you screwed you, and now you're trying to unscrew yourself. Well, you, it, 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 is, it, it is like, you know, the delta, though, between how we view ownership as, like, the impatience of changing managers. Like, you're some Brazilian club who has to change your manager, like, every, every like, four months. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God, who else was I who just changed managers at the time? I'm trying to think who it was that I saw. Um, oh, it was Fleetwood Town. <laughs> um, Fleetwood Town kind of did this because uh, they 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 had Scott Brown in place, who was okay. Um, that was his first managerial job, and like he took them to like he took he they won like two or three games in the FA Cup, and I think it was like they played Burnley to like they gave up a goal in like the 90th minute to lose to Burnley. I think it was yeah in the FA Cup, and yeah. they like they were middle of the table. They don't have a budget to speak of. No. So, like, I think a lot of the consensus was, like, that wasn't perfect by any means. But considering he didn't have a budget to play with, you'll take it. Um, <laughs> they fired him because he started out the season poorly after last year. Um, and then, like, they hired somebody. Then that guy was either the interim or they've already fired him. And it's, like, the League One thing of, like, we're just going to keep firing managers until we, like, get one who can just like accelerate us up to the top of the mountain so we can get that championship money. But you, on the other hand, you get like, you know, clubs that have managers that you're like, why the hell are you hanging on to this guy? <laughs> I know the word you were about to use and you weren't wrong. Um, uh, well, I mean, I've been watching Arthur Smith for three years. <laughs> um, and the problem with Arthur Smith being that, like, I feel like a lot, there hasn't been a lot of improvement in guys um, no. that you're looking for with players. Um, but you got to strike that balance, though, between, like, I need you to, uh, like, I need you to be a little more patient with, I need you to be a little more urgent. You kind of have to strike that middle. Amelia uh, is asking about David Tepper, by the way. Yeah, we'll get into that. We can do that we because I have to jump in just a second. I'll okay. try and come back. But, sure. Um, we ain't going hey, nowhere. I, I, I don't. Uh, David Tepper's a special little unicorn. Um, <laughs> I'd be mad too if I'd overridden my coaching staff into selecting uh, Bryce Young instead of CJ Stroud while CJ Stroud's walking away with the uh, rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Frank Reich is actually a good head coach or not. I think he's a very good offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator with Philly when they won the Super Bowl. Folks are good um, numbers. 
he put up some good numbers. And there are plenty of guys like that. Like we're already having this conversation as we shift into American football down here mm-hmm. with Brandon Staley, who was the head coach <laughs> of the Chargers. Yeah, bring that Staley, one up. Keep it coming, but, brother. But Brandon Staley was a damn good DC. And he would fall in a long line of guys who were disastrous head coaches. But I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't begrudge any team for going out and saying, hey, come here and just run my defense. No problem with that at all. Go mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. Um, however, uh, <laughs> yeah, David Tepper, if y'all missed that, like just throwing drinks at fans. Oh, um, he, was, he was watching the Panthers get shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars being led by C.J. Beathard. Not even, not even, uh, not even our beautiful uh, long-haired uh, stallion of a man, Trevor Lawrence. And uh, someone yelled something up in the box, and he like threw the drink at them. Then played flip cup on the table as he walked away. Good work, um, too. Yeah, uh, Tepper's an interesting figure. Um, and what do and you they- want to bet? Yeah. What do you want to bet? It's going to be a match race between uh, David Tepper and Dean Spanos to try to figure out who can sign Jim Harbaugh to the most ludicrous, undeserved contract ever. They won't because Birmingham City will do it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, and you know what? If because I had this argument with someone the other day, like I could see Harbaugh leaving either way because if he loses, if he'd have lost to Bama, I could have seen them be like, you know what? You ain't getting us over this mountain, bud. Uh, we're and you're not worth the drama. We're gonna move on. Yeah. If he beats Washington next week, <sighs> amidst like all of the allegations and whatnot, like I could see him be like, "I right, cool. I got you your title. That NFL money's calling, and we're just gonna stop. We're just gonna stop uh, teasing each other. I'm out. And gonna go out on top." I could, just see him trying to, I could see him trying to go out on top. Um, just in time for the posse to show up. Yeah. Also, I want to know if somebody tries because here's the here's the thing that here's the thing that I think would be weird, and I don't know that this would happen. John, could you imagine if someone like whoever doesn't get him proceeds to give Kalen DeBoer a big contract? Because Kalen DeBoer's up for renewal, at Washington. It'd be imagine a better investment. Imagine if you just were like, hey, Caleb DeBoer's in like his mid-50s. Like, imagine if you just were like, hey, Caleb, we saw what you did with Michael Penix throwing the ball 12 miles at a time. Um, just absolutely sicko offense. Um, you, you also don't know how to manage a clock at, an end of a, at the end of a game, which frankly qualifies you even more so <laughs> for an NFL head coaching job than you even realize. Oh. Um, how would you like to come to the NFL? Oh boy! Just, well, and, and imagine that. I'm just saying. I imagine Justin Herbert in a Kalen DeBoer offense. I would much rather imagine that than uh, a Jim Harbaugh offense. Man, Kalen DeBoer being like, "Hey, Justin, how far can you throw the football?" That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty sweet. I mean, uh, full disclosure, we've covered Kalen since his time at the University of Sioux Falls. When he won three national titles in the NAIA in a four-year period, and I think he in those four years, I think he went sixty-seven and three at USF before he went into the world of being a Division One assistant coach before going to Fresno and then before going to UW. So we have known the virtues of Kalen DeBoer for quite some time. 
We have, I say. So that's how I put. But yeah, now I'm like, man, somebody in the NFL, after watching Kalen DeBoer almost lose that game last night, oh. um, I was like, hey, this, this guy is actually cut out to be a head coach because only, only an idiot would have done that. And <laughs> <laughs> most head coaches in the NFL are that. Like, yes. tactically, tactical geniuses um, who are incapable uh. of functioning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was I couldn't. And yeah, Kalen, there's there's your future. Just yes. NFL head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Embrace, embrace your Just, future, man. If I really like, oh, man, I don't know. If, I don't imagine Ricky's here, in, listening because Ricky would have said something already. Um, man, imagine if you like drafted Michael Penix here and brought oh. DeBoer to run the offense. Oh. You need someone to take the top off the offense though, because. Drake London's not outrunning anybody. Oh boy, mm, that'd be pretty sweet. Oh, man, man can dream, can he? Oh, you dream about somebody who doesn't turn the ball over four times a game. Yeah, anyway, uh, I'll be back. All right, we'll be here, uh, prem and proper at ten thirty with Drew for his suicide mission. Uh, Ricky's not in this morning, according to Abby. Uh, all right, so that was kind of opening kickoff. We went down the Wayne Rooney rabbit hole. Not a surprise. Uh, here's the other part of opening kickoff brought to us by our friends at kickoff coffee, kickoffcoffeeco.com. That's your QR code for those of you who are watching on the 280 character app, which is apparently soon going to be under a paywall. And then there's also Twitch and there's also our YouTube channel. Thanks to our friends at kickoff coffee and kickoffcoffeeco.com as you kick off your day with them. See what I did there? And don't forget to use the code soccer down here 15. You get 15% off your purchase. They in turn take 10% reinvest it into youth initiatives and things that they have earmarked. Very, very cool things at kickoff coffee and kickoffcoffeeco.com. Okay. Uh, I promised you a bit of a reveal. And right now it's a tease because uh, I don't know uh, price point yet. We're discussing it with our friends at the Marshall Islands. Let me see if this is going to work because I had to basically send an email of a PDF to myself as a JPEG, and we'll see if this works as an overlay. So uh, we mentioned that you can still pick up the reissuing of Atlanta is uh, American Soccer, that scarf that's still available, 25 and 5. And I know that Abby has mentioned that she wants uh, to help out with that, and you can too to get to that particular scarf if you missed out the first time. Now, second part. We are coordinating with our friends at the Marshall Islands, and we have come up with a scarf, commemorative scarf, because they want to do some things here in the States late in 2024. So we want to have a fundraising element to help out our friends at the Marshall Islands. Let me see if this is going to work. Sending an email to myself of a picture of my email to myself. All right, so here we go. That's the scarf. That is the commemorative scarf that we have put together with our friends at the Marshall Island Soccer Federation. And it should be up. I'll give you the details probably in the next couple of weeks. But that is the commemorative scarf that's going to help out the Marshall Island Soccer Federation as a fundraiser. And Abby, I got mine as well. Uh, I got my uh, I got my jersey. And that came last week. I forgot to wear it this morning as a part of all of this. But this is the commemorative scarf that we have coordinated the design with, with our friends at the Marshall Islands. And a couple of weeks, 
I think when we'll, we'll know price point, we'll know shipping and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this has been a collaboration with them about design and about what to say on it, the uh, the summer scarf. It's the the summer scarf design, obviously, because if you did a thick scarf with our friends at the Marshall Islands, then it might be kind of counterintuitive. So that is what it's going to look like. Should be ready in a couple of weeks when we know, like I said, when we know the price point, I'll let you know. But this is your early notification and tease. As you see the, the tail end of the tripod in the upper right-hand corner as I was trying to take a picture of it while Jarrett was talking a little earlier. So once again, that's the scarf. We're using it as a fundraiser from our friends with our friends at the Marshall Island Soccer Federation because they want to come to the States during American football season and they want to do some uh, they want to do some things in northwest arkansas oklahoma there they want to try and go to the heart of the marshallese population and get everything rolling with the national team and they wanted to do uh an, an event here in uh the u.s in october they wanted to try to get some marshallese players together possibly another side have some friendlies piece together that kind of a thing and they wanted to they're trying to shoot for october so that is that's the scarf that we're using as a fundraiser and uh, you can pick it up here. You can pick it up with them. Trying to figure out, once again, price points should be good to go in a couple of weeks. So that is the summer scarf that we are coordinating with our friends at the Marshall Islands. And they've been really cool. Lloyd Hours and that crew. So once again, that's your tease for, as I promised, once again, that uh, we're going to be helping out our friends at the Marshall Islands. And that's the first step is that particular summer scarf should be up for sale in a couple of weeks when I know the price point, I'll let you know. And so that's uh, that was the other piece of news this morning that uh, that we had pieced together. So that is now officially, totally, completely opening kickoff, brought to us by our friends at Kickoff Coffee and kickoffcoffeeco.com. That's your QR code for those of you who are catching us on our YouTube channel, on Twitch, and on the 280-character app. Yes, and that is absolutely true, Abby. It is a fundraiser, and we're going to add money for mailing, if not in the metro Atlanta area. So uh, we're going to figure out how to do things, because we figure that there's going to be some demand internationally as well. We might end up sh uh, shipping some scarves to our friends in England, and they can handle the international part. But we'll figure out how we're going to handle it. But I just wanted to let you guys see. What we've been working on with the Marshall Island Soccer Federation, and we're going to start 2024 helping them out as well, is because we believe in soccer for good and spreading the word. And you mentioned, uh, Nick mentioned raising the fleet and the scarf as well. So uh, that's your QR code for those of you watching on other elements. And don't forget to use the code soccer down here 15. You get 15% off your purchase with Kickoff Coffee and kickoffcoffeeco.com. They in turn take 10%, reinvest it into uh, youth initiatives and youth uh, youth uh, programs that they themselves have earmarked with our friends at Kickoff Coffee and kickoffcoffeeco.com. So there you go. So that's the official word. We do have a scarf. We're helping out the Marshall Islands. It's a fundraiser, working out price point. And like I said, it's probably going to be both national and international demand, but we wanted to let you guys know that that's where we are in helping out our friends with the Marshall Islands. So uh, we got stuff to talk about outside of Wayne Rooney. And we're kind of catching up here a little bit with what's been going on. If Nick joins us, what we talked about in Syria, we're probably going to have a soccer over there segment to, before we get into prem and proper, the review at 1030. 
with uh, Drew with his hit and run to talk about festive fixtures and everything since he's been on the show last. Since Maddie's in Chicago, and she's spending time with friends and hanging out here to start the new year. So Maddie will catch up with us. Uh, hopefully Friday when she's back here in Atlanta as she's getting ready for uh, the weekend. And we can get her idea of the review as we get ready for FA Cup window and international window and all those kinds of things. So it'll be an FA Cup FA Cup weekend coming up for our friends in and Birmingham City, but they're just going to be watching. Uh, transactions in Major League Soccer that we have not really had the chance to discuss. And the first one on the board, obviously, is Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris signed by LAFC from Tottenham Hotspur. Looks like the salary is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of three fifty. Under contract through the twenty four season, options for twenty five and twenty six. This makes sense. He's like, okay, we'll see where things are with salary, blah, blah, blah. We'll see where with the success rate and your success rate. So this is a one with option years two and three. In the press release, obviously, you end up with uh, John Thornton saying positive things. And then they came up with the, the cute release on the Twitters. France's all-time cap leader to 145 matches, captained their 2018 squad in the win over Croatia. Last match for the national team came in the 2022 final when they lost in PKs to Argentina to Messi, to that version of Messi and friends, the international version. Uh, one of Spurs' most accomplished players, but once again, this is coming from the league. 447 matches across nearly a dozen seasons after joining from Lyon, 2019 Champions League final and lost his first choice spot under Ange Postacoglu. They have uh, Abraham Romero, meaning LAFC, under contract for 24. Maxine Crapeau, John McCarthy, who split starter duties last year, are both free agents. They were at the time. McCarthy went across town, and he's now part of LAG's groupings, and that probably means that's the end for Jonathan Bond. Loris, the latest high-profile star to join from LA to join LAFC, Bale Chiellini. Bale retired after winning MLS Cup. Chiellini retired after going to MLS Cup uh, this past season. Hugo puts out a message on the Twitters thanking all the fans at Tottenham Hotspur, and so that's uh, you know that's what you're staring at with Hugo Lloris. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And LAFC. We had mentioned, basically, that, that LAFC 
had 14 players whose contracts were up at the end of last season. And two or three of them were goalkeepers. And so now you had some holes to fill, and you decided, okay, we'll bring in Hugo Lloris. Hugo Lloris, who has not played, if I'm not mistaken, since the fall. And you're bringing him in to be a part of what's going on with uh, LAFC. Our friends at the Mirror, once again, once again, take this information as you wish. Take it at your own peril. According to the LA Times and Kevin Baxter, Lloris is going to earn three hundred grand during his season at LAFC. Twenty-six shot stoppers in total earn more than Hugo Lloris in that three hundred thousand coming into the season. Arguably the most successful goalkeeper of his generation and a proven winner. And, of course, John Thorrington is going to say that. I'm sure that there is a boatload of folks who could sit there and go that Hugo is one of the most successful keepers of his generation. A lot of folks will argue with John Thorrington about him being the most successful goalkeeper of his generation. Incredibly excited Hugo's chosen LAFC for the next phase of his illustrious career. So you end up with... uh, Hugo Lloris only making three hundred grand, one of the lowest paid keepers in the league, and now you're going to have him. Morning, Harry. You're going to have Hugo Lloris be a part of the discussion at LAFC. Looking at the LAFC roster, there's probably a little more that they have to address. Instead of bringing in a keeper who has not played for a while, he wasn't quite at uh, without Club FC as their starting keeper. But basically, they lost an ish load of folks heading into this season that are out of contract. You look at right now. But let's go back to 23. Here's the folks that had their contracts expire and looking at the the contract issues that were there. You had all of these folks that were out of contract. You had a dozen folks that were done. So you ended up with Crapo, McCarthy, gone. Yakupovich gone. Romero there. Chiellini gone. There were a lot of folks on the board that when the uh, the, the uh, calendar year changed and you flipped it to twenty four, right now contract here here's what you, here's what you have and you only have seventeen players now under contract with LAFC. And we'll include Larice to make it 18. Romero, Aaron Long, Murillo, Eddie Segura, as they jumble all these things together. So let's go. Krastev, who's on loan until the end of the fiscal year. 
from some joint called Lommel SK. Ilie, Palencia, Aaron Long, Murillo, Romero, Segura, Eric Duaneus. And Lloris technically because of the three, the one with the two and the, the options for year two and year three. 25, end of the 25 season, end of next season. Buwanga, Hollingshead, Timothy Tillman, Nathan Ordaz. Then at the end of 26, Mario Gonzalez, Bogish, Steep Buke, Christian Oliveira, and Beijing Darbo, who's one of their U22s. So that's what you're staring at right now from LAFC. Obviously, you can sit there and say that they're probably going to swing some deals and that they'll work on what they currently have. But now they have that cap room that they're looking for. Do you try to bring Vela back at a, at a lower price point? We'll see. Morning, Alex. Sorry, Alex. We'll talk about that at 1030. So Hugo Lloris now, part of what's going on at LAFC, and LAFC is, is going to be swinging for the fences trying to bring in folks. That will not be a surprise. Nashville acquired Tyler Boyd from LA Galaxy for a lot of am. D.C. United acquired Gabriel Pirani from Santos. And now it looks like Brandon Vasquez might be heading to Monterey. Depending on who you look at and and, uh, what you're following, terms could be agreed to with Brandon Vasquez, and he could be heading to Liga MX. And it will be interesting to see how Brandon Vasquez is A, used, B, utilized, and see how he adjusts to life in Liga MX, where he will be fouled, and he will be fouled a lot. How will he react to the physical play in LA at, in uh, Liga MX if this deal does, in fact, go, which has been linked slash figured out, and it's close. Demir Krylock. Our favorite Bond villain goes from RSL after six seasons to Vancouver, which is very, very interesting. So you've got Gauld, you've got White, you've got Demir Krylock now in Vancouver for Vanny Sartini. Vancouver with with an interesting move out of the blocks. We mentioned last week Gutty Kinda going back to uh, uh, Maccabee Haifa. He had mentioned on his uh, on his Instagram that he was out, meaning leaving Sporting Kansas City, and now he ends up with uh, Maccabee Haifa after his contract had expired, and Minnesota United owning loaning Ethan Bristow to Stockport County. Looking at the the folks that could be the high powered folks being brought in, you wonder with the folks that have DP slots available, what the discussions are going to be. We mentioned LAFC. They've only got one DP right now, and it's Denny Boanga. But we mentioned the whole thing about Carlos Vela. Does he come back at a low rate? So we'll see what happens. LA Galaxy, right now they've only got the one DP in Ricky Puj. Tommy Scoops, Tom Bogart at The Athletic, says that uh, LAG had made a club record bid to side Ramon Sosa from Teixeiras. 
And Cesar Luis Merlo has reported L.A. made a near $10 million bid for Pablo Solari at River Plate. So once again, swinging for the fences. Stuff that we kind of figured. When we have Nico on on Thursday, we will discuss Ladero to Orlando City. Nico admitting that he had that deal cold. But their current DPs are Rui Diaz and Rusnak. Vancouver, once again, Kubas and Gauld. Ryan White. You're looking to bring back Richie Lorea. So the, the DP-ness that we're staring at here is going to be very, very interesting going forward. And since we're here at the beginning of a window when it comes to the transfer stuff, then uh, we, will, we will see how things are going to lay out, Rich. So we're going to miss the conspiracy theory that Lloris signing is to bring Benzema to LAFC? No, I mean, if in fact this is a conspiracy theory, because Rich, you saying this is the first that I have heard it. I have not heard this about Karim Benzema. I did hear that Karim Benzema was uh, the tete-a-tetes he was having with Nuno Espirito Santo was the reason Nuno got canned in the league that we don't talk about or promote. But so Benzema would be mad now already at his time in the Saudi Pro League, making an ungodly amount of money and and getting to to sit there and just kind of cruise. I mean, if, if I'm Kareem Benzema, why would I? Why would I at this point at the age of 36 at Al-Itihad, yeah, we did talk about Happy New Year, Tom. We did talk about Rooney. Yeah, and that is a yikes. Nine goals in 15 appearances, five assists. So 14 goal scoring opportunities in 15 matches so far for Benzema at Al-Itihad. Why would I, why would I give up all of that? I know right now, uh, everybody's kind of chasing after each other and fighting each other, trying to figure out what, uh, where you are in the standings. So I'm going to go ahead and dial it up. And this is probably far more, uh, far more Saudi league than we've really talked about. So Al Itihad is where we're chasing right now. In the table, if I'm Kareem Benzema and I'm seventh, might be a little mad. Al-Halal, Al-Nasser, no surprise. But Al-Itihad at 28 points right now. Ronaldo, Sadio Mane at Al-Nasser, they're second behind Al-Halal. Steven Gerrard has demanded January signings at Al-Itihad, considering that they're windless in their last nine. So, all right, uh, Benzema contract, right? Let's, let me, let's, let's see if we can come up. With the 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 salary number for Karim Benzema, signed a two year deal with an option for a third. And remember, they've also taken the the uh, the shackles off to expand rosters and to allow more internationals. 
because a lot of the teams were saying, hey, we want to continue to make a push and bring in more players that are internationals. So we need to kind of uh, loosen the roster rules as they currently are. Goal.com, when Benzema signed, understood to have signed a two-year deal with an option for a third. $200 million a season. $200 million euro, so $213 million a year. Why would I, if I'm Karim Benzema, and like I said, this is the first... This is the first time that I have seen. Rich, you mentioning this with Kareem Benzema. It's the first time I've seen it. About Lloris trying to get his buddy to go hang out with him at LAFC. If Benzema is done with his time whenever, because once again, we're talking a two-year with an option for a third, this being year one of that deal. I would say if Lloris hangs around LAFC and Benzema, with his time in that league that we neither name nor promote, got his 213 million uh, euro or 213 million dollars, he's happy with it. He made his he made his payday. He's like, bro, what else am I gonna do? You know, no one's gonna top this. I made my deal and I'm out. Then I could see if he's if he's, you know, through one year of this deal, I don't think it would obviously happen this season. Might happen next year, but that would mean that Lloris would have to hang around. And he would have to still be the quality keeper that he was whenever you want to say he was a quality keeper because the man has not played in a while. So I could definitely see LAFC and John Thornton signing him to a deal of that value because of his lack of playing time. And you want to bring in someone, uh, you want to bring in somebody that's going to be like, well, you know, I'm kind of done here. And thank you, Rich. Uh, catching us up with our friends at Transfer News Live, who might be one of those resources that we keep an eye on here this month with 2.2 million followers. So. As a, as a content aggregator, Benzema will not leave Al-Itihad in January, according to Santi Auna. He's going to finish the season with the Saudi club. So, makes his $213 million. He's good. So, then that means that summer window... If he, goes for the, if he doesn't go for the second year and he's out the door then he could be available, and it could be one of those Bale Chiellini things where you bring him in and John Thorrington goes to his capologist and says, hey, what can we do? And what you probably do is you go to the league office in New York City and go, look, we want with Benzema the kind of deal guidelines that that you were looking at with Messi when he starts to assemble Messi and friends. So Benzema goes to Los Angeles to be with his buddy Lloris. And that turns into Kareem and friends, or Benzema and friends at LAFC. And you start to have these quote-unquote super teams like we were seeing in the NBA. You know, Miami wants Bosch and Wade and LeBron, and you got Messi and friends right now in Miami. And like I said, this is this is extrapolating here. 
Benzema's mad. Alidahad stinks. He gets his 213 million innings out. Summer. Then does Hugo Lloris pick up the phone and sit there and go do 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 boop boop? And he picks up the phone in Saudi Arabia. Are you that mad or do you still want another $213 million? That would be the question for Kareem Benzema at this point. Bruh, are you that mad that you would want to do other things? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That would be the question going further. Yeah, Hutch, you are not you are not wrong in the uh, getting the Kevlar shin pads. Definitely needing Kevlar shin pads going uh, if you if you are Brandon Vasquez and you are heading to Monterrey. That would be the question. Yeah, <laughs> everybody's plugging their ears. Uh, Rich says, unless more older or bigger names will be looking for the messy deal. And that's the thing. I legitimately think that you're going to end up with folks who are in the twilight. And this is going to be that question that we're staring at for Major League Soccer. As as Major League Soccer rolls from its 2.0 to 2.5 to 3.0 stage, then that's what you're looking at here. How how do you gauge it? But for all of the teams that go down this road, for all the teams that go down this road, for the Moss brothers and David Beckham, if any other team decides they want to go down this road and try to get an NIL deal for a big-name star and sit there and tie it to subscription rates and all that other kind of stuff to to your uh, international international fans of said individuals if you want to sit there and go well you know what i'd really like is to try and figure out how we can have super teams and have all these folks here but sustainability sustainability is the big thing once these 30 somethings decide that they're done how do the teams that signed them go on, go on and move on from here? That's the larger question. And that's going to be staring right down the barrel for the Moss brothers and David Beckham once Messi and friends all retire. They've checked out. 
They've done what they've done. They leave. Any other club that wants to go down this same route to try to drag butts into seats, same route there, what do you do for an encore? Sustainability for me is going to be the larger question here. You've set this level and this expectation for folks. You've set that level now. If you're Messi and friends, when you're the Moss brothers and David Beckham, what happens when Messi retires? You cannot cryogenically freeze him at the age of 35 or 34. It's too late for that. And unless you try to doctor who something, you're stuck. After they turn late 30s and they're all gone, do you just sit there and turn this into a cycle? All right, who's the next big thing? Who do we bring in? You better keep David Beckham in that front office when you do. What is the cycle going to be second time, third time through, second team, third team through that wants to try to do things this way? Or if you're a fan of a club, do you do things your own way? Try not to keep up with the Joneses and figure out how you can be longer a more longer sustainable franchise. I think that's the key here. Let the folks around you do things their way. If your club wants to go down a certain road, let them go down the road they want to go down. Build however you want to build. Let Messi and friends be Messi and friends. If LAFC wants to do whatever they're going to do, let them do it. Rich has a club that's built a certain way. Shooter has a club that's built a certain way, even though he doesn't like it. Atlanta United has a club that's built a certain way. Don't look at the other dude. Don't look at. Don't look in the other lane and see. Wow, that's a great looking car. Stick with the Abstermobile. Stick with your car. And do things your way. Don't be intimidated or sit there and get you know. Oh, look at that car. Oh, look at that car. Do things your way in the philosophy that you've built. And, Abby, to answer your question, Sporting did draft a, a keeper out of Holy Innocence. He went to Georgetown, Ryan Shuey. He was their first pick in the first round. So, yep. Yep, Ryan Shuey, a 6'4 senior at Georgetown, 6'4", 185 out of May Retta. Went to Holy Innocence, second team Big East. And if you missed it, uh, Jaden Hibbert's interview is up on uh, on the network where we got to catch up with him. So you've got Shuey, uh, drafted by Kansas City, and you've got uh, Jaden Hibbert, drafted by Atlanta United out of Georgetown. So uh, Georgetown and UConn. So that's what you're that's what you're staring at here. Now that you're thinking about, it, maybe I should give uh, Georgetown a call and see if we can catch up with Shuey. Uh, all right, so. Ropes had mentioned this earlier, finally getting around the chance to uh, to catch up on it. Fabrizio Romano. Remember Tejon Buchanan from uh, New England Revolution? Tejon Buchanan to Inter Milan. Deal in place. Here we go with Club Bruges. 7 million euro on the board plus add-ons. Fixed fee. Personal terms were agreed two weeks ago. Tejon set to travel to Milano tomorrow. Medical tests on Thursday. Agreement completed. Set to be sealed complete with a photograph of our friends at Paramount Plus sponsoring the front of the Inter Milan jersey and Tejon Buchanan saying, hey, dig this. So 
good piece of business. We'll see. I mean, in, in the financial sense, we'll see if it pays off on the field. But uh, Fabrizio Romano saying Tejon Buchanan is heading to Inter Milan. So we'll keep an eye on how things continue to evolve there. Uh, Sergio Reguilon expected to leave Spurs again during the January transfer window as he wants to play regularly. Loan options are being considered. Interest from Premier League clubs after Borussia Dortmund added him to their list in December. The race remains open. Dragosin has accepted all details of a Tottenham contract proposal. Personal terms have been agreed, revealed last week. Public statements on the new deal now waiting for Spurs. Spurs and Genoa remain in talks to get the deal done very soon. And Manchester United have activated the break clause on Regulon, as called by David Ornstein earlier this morning. Mutual decision between all parties. Regulon wants to play. No space at United. And so that's where... Uh, that is laid out. Napoli is going to sign a new center back, uh, Sparta Prague's uh, Martin Vitic remains one of the options. Vitic being 20 or 21, depending on he's, he's a two, class of 2003. Napoli asked for a drag scene last week, but Spurs advancing to get the deal done is revealed. Samardzic deal is a priority for Napoli in return. Uh, did you see this? Well, first off, uh, Kroos, Nacho, Luka Modric all currently had a contract in June. Carlo Ancelotti says they can decide what they want to do. It's up to them. We let them decide. Future's already on the right way with many talents. And Endrick coming soon, though. But did you see the interview that happened with, uh, with Carlo Ancelotti? We'll have Bar Keeler coming on here in just a little bit. Because the real world is helping us out this morning with Bart. So uh, so when I get the code, I'll send it to Bart, and Bart will come in. We'll talk uh, USMNT, and we'll talk about whatever else is on his mind. Once again, Prem and Proper, the review coming up at 1030, where we get to discuss things. That's the official term. So uh, Bart Keeler coming on here. Initially, we thought that uh, – Bart may not be able to join us until Friday. Oh, thank you. Ryan Shaway, thank you. Excellent. So, Shaway, thank you, Abby. Uh, so, Shaway, Holy Innocence, and uh, Georgetown. So, there you go. That's the first round pick. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. All right, so Tom has brought in a story this morning in WSL and Super League. Well, it's a, I mean, we'll talk about it. I don't think it's necessarily a collision course because one is a decade behind in the development. And remember, we talked to Christina Uncle about it too and about what's going on down there in Tampa. So I don't think, I don't think, it's, a, I don't think it's a collision course. I don't. I legitimately don't. I let uh, as as I am as I am prone to say, uh, rising tides, and we say it here a lot. Rising tide lifts all boats. So, I look at it like you know, look, markets have markets, teams have teams, and if everybody flourishes, we're all better off for it. That's that's how I'm looking at things. Legitimately, let it happen. Uh, now Carlo Ancelotti, by the way, since I've, I've, I got sidetracked a little bit, 
So Carlo Ancelotti, once again, Fabrizio Romano from uh, before the show started this morning. I love Real Madrid, and I want to stay here. I could stay here also after being the manager. I had contacts with Brazil for sure, but it was all in standby. I was always waiting for Real Madrid. I'm happy to stay here. So basically, Carlo Ancelotti said, you know, Brazil, I'll listen. I ain't going to say much, but I'll listen. And so sure enough, would you want to stick with All right, let me bring in Bart. Bart, if you had the choice. Oh, boy. Uh, of being Carlo Ancelotti, manager Real Madrid, or Carlo Ancelotti, manager of Brazil, which would you pick? <laughs> Ooh, well, right now I would pick Real Madrid. This is a no contest for me right now. And Carlo Ancelotti basically says, yeah, I, I listened to him and that's it. I just, I, they put it out on the table for me and yeah, whatever. Exactly. Whatever. So he basically just had, he used it. He's just like, yep, it's all good. Nope. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving Real Madrid. I'll listen to Brazil, but Brazil is a train wreck right now. Yeah. Well, and part of the reason Brazil is a train wreck right now is, you know, they are without a real coach. <laughs> so that doesn't help. So that's a little bit on Ancelotti. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, right now they are struggling, to say the least. Struggling. Yes, they are. Yes, they are absolutely. They are struggling, to say the, the very least here. Uh, so since last time you were on, what have we missed when it comes to, well, obviously, I think later in the week we've got some some names that are going to be on a list here. But. What have we missed when it comes to, to refing down here and national team stuff that you that you wanted to get on the table here as uh, Mondays on a Tuesday? Uh, well, um, I think the most important thing is, as you mentioned, we have the Camp Cupcake roster dropping on Friday. Uh-huh. Um, I am curious. I'm hopeful, I should say, that the roster is very youngster-based. Mm-hmm. Um we do know that you know the U23s have been given a lot of priority recently. That's one of the benefits of having Matt Crocker now in charge as he is kind of focusing on all the things. Um, I hope, I hope that um, a certain Atlanta United homegrown is on that roster on Friday. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, that's kidding. Like, <laughs> I've, I've heard of. I've heard of. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if he is because, you know, we saw him make an appearance for the senior national team um, last year in El Cachico. Mm-hmm. And he has featured a lot for the U-20s as well. Obviously, going into the this year for the U-23 squad, yeah. he, in my opinion, is still one of the best left backs we have in the pool, senior or youngster, you know. and this is a huge opportunity, and I really hope that he's on the roster. I don't know if he is or isn't. I can't. I haven't done that reporting, but um, I think that Atlanta United fans need to, as I've said in a long time, we need to start understanding that Caleb Wiley is a very special talent um, in a position of need, and he has a real chance here. and And I really hope that he is on that roster to prove that he deserves to be not just an Olympic team member, but also part of the senior squad. Uh, going forward. 
how much of this, when it comes to, to naming names on rosters, is still political and, and still, you know, instead of just putting folks out there and trying to approach things logically, whether you're talking about a Camp Cupcake situation where you should be kicking the tires on some folks as opposed to just throwing the same names out there over and over again, how much of this is still tied to the quote-unquote network and, hey, you know, we, we need to give these guys some run we need to continue to give these guys run and not look at other folks. How much of this is still tied to uh, illogical decision-making? Well, I don't think any anymore for a couple of reasons. One, the some partnership between MLS and U.S. soccer no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been dissolved. And also, um, I think U.S. soccer is probably a little upset with MLS right now <laughs> um, with the way that they've um, – treated some of their initiatives and competitions recently. So I don't expect at all any um, any sort of preference. Um, that said, this yeah. will be an MLS-heavy camp. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously the leagues that um, are playing right now are where our, you know, our best players are playing in important leagues. Um, and they're not playing right now. The, the only, you know, caveat would be there are a couple of leagues that are obviously in a winter break. But I doubt that they're going to allow um an important player to come onto the this particular camp roster how many how then let me ask you this for a camp joe scally and gl reyna aren't on this roster let's just make sure let's just unequivocally say that (laughs) well and because the reason i was going to ask how many folks do you how many surprises i guess uh would you uh, be sitting there and saying, okay, this would be a surprise, this would be a surprise, and this would be a surprise. Are you expecting this roster at Camp Cupcake to be, yeah, okay, I figured it was going to lay out this way, or are you anticipating that some folks might have some aces up their sleeve here? I, I, I genuinely don't know, John, because, um, you know, Greg has in the past been a little mix on what this camp cupcake is. He's used it to get MLS guys who he, who he values highly um, a chance to play, but he's also, you know, used this as a chance to get young players um, into camp. We've seen them kind of host dual U23 and senior national team camps before. So I, I don't know if I have an answer to that question, John, because Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and apply. See website for details. I don't know. We haven't been told how this camp will be treated. Um, again, we know that there are U23 camps that have been slated, so I don't think it'll necessarily be that type of a camp. But I do hope that we're prioritizing 
young MLS talent as opposed to bringing Walker Zimmerman back in for another time. And no slight to Walker, but it's just like, buddy, we like he's not the future of the national team. We've got a Copa America coming up in what six months? Yeah, six and a half. And you know, do we need to see Aaron Long again? No, I don't need to see Aaron Long play soccer ever again, let alone for the U.S. <laughs> national team. You know, I don't need a Sean Johnson in camp. You know, so it, it, there are, you know, you, we do need to start having these standards and, and expecting U.S. soccer and, and the men's national team coaches to treat this with less, I, I hate to say severity, but treat this for what it should be. And it's a way to get younger talent exposed so that they can either see them in person and truly evaluate them or, you know, just give them a shot as it is. All right. So then you're the general manager for this particular window. Who would you like to see on this roster come the announcement after, of course, the show is over on Friday? Uh, yeah. So I would like to see, I, I mentioned Caleb Wiley. He's one. Um, you know, Jalen Neal, again, come back from the Galaxy. Um, you know, I'm sure Aiden Morris should be a guy that we see. Um, but there are there are some others that, um, you know, maybe I don't want to see is a better question. Like Dewan Jones, do you want to see him or not? Um, he's an experienced MLS veteran. He's been in a lot of camps. But, you know, do I need to have another camp where I see Dewan Jones? He hasn't truly made a mark at the senior national team. And we found a guy at left back in Christopher Lund who seems to have replaced him in the pecking order. So do we need to see him again? I don't know. Um, same with a guy like Brooks Lennon. Do we need to see Brooks Lennon? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I will always defend Brooks Lennon as an Atlanta United player, but is he the type of player that we need to see in this camp? So, but there are, there are younger players, um, you know, the, the Philadelphia cohort of Quinn Sullivan and company, um, Jack McGlynn, you know, those are guys I would like to see in this type of a camp where get them involved. Um, Roman Celentano, uh, Schulte, and even to an extent, uh, Calendar from Miami. Um, those are players who I think would be worthwhile. And a shout maybe from an Atlanta United side of things. Maybe you get Josh Cohen in there. I know he's a little bit older, but we haven't really seen him in camp outside of like one European window. So maybe a Josh Cohen is a guy that you bring in as a goalkeeper to say, okay, where do you, where do we see you in our depth chart as a goalkeeper? Yeah, I wanted you to put your thinking cap on this morning a little bit. Um, when it comes, Brandon Vasquez and Miles, hold on, Brandon Vasquez and Miles Robinson are two that I do think are interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I think we all expect Miles to. Well, I shouldn't say expect. We all hope that he goes to a European team. I think Vasquez is another one who wants to go to a European team. Curious to see how they end up coming into this camp, right? Because what if they're getting calls? <laughs> what, if, what if PSV is truly on the phone? What if uh, Frankfurt is truly on the phone um, for either of those guys? Are they coming into camp to risk that, you know? Yeah. And if they're not, if they're not getting those calls, maybe camp is what they need. Maybe they need to have a good showing against Slovenia and, and you know, maybe a, a Vasquez hat trick against Slovenia is what he needs <laughs> to get the attention of some of the, you know, callers from Europe. Uh, sidebar, uh, Philip Poole is now going to be the new head coach at the uh, USL Super League Carolina franchise. That was just announced here in the last handful of minutes. So, 
for them. He is going to stick with the team through She Believes, and then he's going to take over USL. Yeah. Sir. Carolina. So that came out the top. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's what that's a good hire, I suppose, if you're gonna try to find someone who has the experience within the system you want. Uh okay. So article from our friends at the Independent. Carl Matchett, uh yesterday, a- after festive fixtures uh, finally came to a close and Arsenal hit their brick wall. Sorry, Bart. Uh Wolves manager Gary O'Neill proclaimed quote what is the point in var end quote his side felt aggrieved after yet more decisions proved vital in defeat at fulham newcastle boss eddie howe labeled a penalty against his own club in stoppage time against psg a poor decision which looks completely different in a slowed down replay to officials watching on monitors the current situations come after an increase in the use of technology and football over the past few years, but none seems to create as much heated debate and questioning as that of VAR. By and large, it is felt that minor and visible calls are improved across the course of the season with on-pitch referees getting extra help. However, there have been several high-profile incidents of late that have led to clubs or personnel within them complaining about the eventual decision or decision-making process and once again getting into the Champions League about this. When you still have managers, Anj Postacoglu being one, Gary O'Neill apparently being another, not getting the point of VAR, when, when you look at how VAR is being implemented right now in the Premier League from your viewing yeah. this season, how would, you, how would you view VAR in the Prem versus what we see here in the United States? Well, you know, this all goes back to uh decisions that fully started on january 31st 2020 and that's brexit this is what happens when uh you know europe and the uk split and now you have the uk doing all that they want to do i'm joking but <laughs> the, the problem is i think that they are the agree the aggrieved parties have some sort of point where you are looking at because they obviously know better than every other human on the planet john right. every other you know, soccer body doesn't do it as well as the Premier League and the FA. Um, <laughs> we know this. And, you know, they feel that they are going to do it slightly differently than what UEFA does and some of the more continental leagues do. And I, I, I think that is a valid criticism of VAR being used in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I think that we do need to see, I mean, Look, no ball has ever gone out of play against Arsenal this season, apparently. So I understand this. Um, and and there are legitimate gripes with that, that I think other coaches share of. We have the technology to make these a little bit less human and more automated slash technologically driven. And, and I think those are some things that would greatly help VAR. But I agree that there are some decisions um, that have quite honestly been flubbed. Um, and, and I think partly, probably one of the bigger things that I think at least I as a viewer have a problem with is the length of time it takes to decide yes. if something is clear and obvious. Yes. And, and I think that's something that, again, despite what people say about pro, MLS does get correct is I think our VAR system is a little bit better than 
others. And and when we see VAR have a problem, like when we see a length of time with VAR here in the US and MLS especially, it tends to be because a referee has gone to a monitor, you know? And and that's where I think in the Premier League, honestly, bothers me the most is someone else is making the decision for the official the on-field officiating crew. And I would rather see than say, hey man, you should take a look at this. And I don't see as many referees in the Premier League go to a monitor to make a decision. Um, instead, you have people in a room trying to find every single angle to disprove the referee before making any sort of decision. It sounds like it sounds like a lot of times, at least when you observe, they're working, they're trying to work from a negative and come forward using too much. Absolutely, to try and find something. Yes, I, I, I do think that's something that's a problem now. Granted, you know, yesterday there was an absolutely shocking, embarrassing, pathetic display of terrible sportsmanship by, you know, Liverpool to get a penalty kick after he clearly lost control of the ball due to a a bad touch around the goalkeeper and decided that, oh, well, the goalkeeper maybe sneezed on me a little bit, so I'll fall down three steps after I've gone by. Are Are we sure it wasn't Richie Larea who did that? Good Lord. It was such, John, that was such a bad flop. Such a bad flop. And, but he's saved because technically, yes, there was contact. Well, then, then that goes to the laws of the game. And so it's once again, you have the, yeah. the laws that are in front of you and trying to determine what's going on there. Uh, Abby mentioned that it all goes back to the quality of refing as a whole. And my question for you is New Year's resolution. When it comes to you as an official, what resolutions do you have about yourself in that part of your CV? What 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 are you looking to become or what are you looking to improve upon next year yourself when it comes to, to having the, the whistle and the cards and the jersey out there? Yeah, as I tweeted yesterday, one of my big resolutions legitimately is I need to get more yellow cards for obvious time wasting and delay tactics. Um, and this includes a lot of times the, I'm going to just run up and stand in front of the ball. Um, you know, as Joey, um, Joey Logan, who I retweeted said, you know, you don't have to ask for 10 as an attacker. We shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. The defenders need to start respecting that more. And this whole BS of I'm going to just stand in front of the ball or I'm going to run up to in front of the ball after something's already happened, That uh, personally, that's something that I, need, I want to stop because it, it does one of two things. Uh, it either A, delays the game, which we just don't want to have, or B, causes a potentially hazardous situation, which we also don't want to have. No. Yeah, that, uh, that, how many how many of the official do you have regular conversations with the other officials in, in your in your officiating circle? Do you guys kind of you know, away from the field? Do you guys have regular conversations about what you're learning, what you're doing, what you're what happened? You know, do you guys have debriefs on your own? Uh, we have not not outside of the field. Right. Yeah. So if we're at the field, we'll have conversations um, and those will go on well after games. And then I have a couple of referee friends who I personally have conversations with just because we're interested. Um, but it's not 
we, we don't have that because, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit in a chat group and text these people, but there are some Facebook groups I'm a part of. No, but I mean, like if you're just sitting around, it's like, yeah, we're going to, you're getting a couple of beers and it just happens to be like your buddies. Yeah. They're out there. Do you have those kind of, does it drift into that kind of a casual? Uh, yeah, we, we, there's a couple that I have that conversation with. Yeah. And we, and we discuss how, you know, obviously we're right and everyone else is wrong. <laughs> that's how, that's the official mindset, right? Absolutely. That is absolutely how this goes. Uh, how do you keep yourself from turning into a blackjack dealer? Even though I know that's not your that's not your M.O. How do you keep yourself from turning into a blackjack dealer in a situation like you know, where you, you know, you probably should be giving cards and giving cards and giving cards. But, you know, you, you have that balance of trying not to uh, drag the game down and yeah. take it someplace it doesn't want to go, knowing that at the same time. I probably need to be given cards a little better or faster than I have been. Yeah, I think, again, for me, what I'm trying to give cards for are procedural issues, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to, for me, those are justified. Yeah. I don't like to give cards for fouls or you know stuff like that because that is very subjective. Um, you know, there are, again, there are times that those are required, you know, stopping a promising attack, super dangerous tackles, like stuff like that. But I don't have a problem. And this is where I need to, again, remind myself that I should be doing this with punishing people for making, for doing things that, you know, go against the spirit of the game right. or specifically are trying to unfairly gain an advantage that isn't within the actual passage of play. Yeah. So again, you know, we're, we're kicking the ball away after the ball goes out of bounds. Right. We're taking too long to get off the field. Um, stuff like that. You know, coaches who decide that they want to yell and argue well after the play is, has gone. You know, right. those are the types of things that, yeah, we need to start giving cards for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just wondering how in a situation uh, when you're out there, how do you keep from, how difficult is it to keep control and not lose control of how you are when it comes to your own philosophy if a game is going sideways or something like that? How do you how do you try to manage yourself and how difficult is that at times hmm. to try to make sure that you are that you stay true to your own refing personality, understanding the laws of the game and administering it the way that it should be? How difficult is it to keep control sometimes if something if a game in front of you is going sideways or goes sideways suddenly? Well, again, we're three people trying to manage 22 plus coaches plus spectators. So, you know, unfortunately, we only have so much control, um, especially over individuals. But something that I try to make sure I remind myself um, is to take a breath, calm down, um, because one, you know, for us, we're running around and not everyone's in the greatest shape. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, especially if it's our fourth game of the day and we're tired. Yeah. So uh, taking a step, you know, taking a chance when the ball goes out of play to take a few calming breaths um, to help you be a little bit more centered so that you can be the cool head on the field. Because, you know, that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing out there is being the cooler head um, surrounded by a bunch of people who have zero interest in being calm. Right. How many miles a day do you put in? Have you ever done that on a Fitbit? Have you looked? Um, I did. I so I I had a, a smartwatch before, 
And I had some data. I need to go back and look at it. Um, it, it, it could be 1.8 miles a game wow. if I was in the center. Um, and usually about 0.9 as a linesman. Um, so, you know, depending on how long I was going, it was, you know, we're talking about easily hitting a 5K mm. each day, you know, sometimes more. <laughs> um, yeah. That, yeah, that, that's just, mm -mm, that's too much for me. Uh, so what do we need to keep an eye on this week before the announcement after the show is over on Friday for Camp Cupcake? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, so obviously there's that. We'll be recording for Soccer for Us, a nice little resolutions, goals, and predictions for U.S. soccer. Not just men's, not just women's, but all of them. Um, we'll be recording that this week with um, Caleb and, and Thomas to, you know, set the tone for 2024. Um, as I said last week, you know, 2023 wasn't fantastic for U.S. soccer in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, I think the crew on Soccer for Us, we want to hold U.S. soccer to a higher standard because uh, we should be able to do that. And hopefully 2024 brings that. And we'll be keeping an eye on that as we go. Thanks for thanks for uh, you know letting us know that your real life stuff was uh, yeah was, was clear. Nice. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I can drop in. My meeting died. All right, my friend. Uh, once again, thanks for a great 2023 with you and the Soccer Free USPOD crew, and uh, looking forward to 2024 as we start it all over again. Thanks again, my friend. Likewise, John, and Happy New Year, everyone. Hope everyone's New Year's resolutions are going super awesome. I hope everyone's getting into the gym today if they made that, or you know, not if that was your resolution, depending on you know how you feel. That is my resolution. Be good, my friend. We'll see you soon. Not to get in the gym. I like that for you, John. Yes, you, John. not to get in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. All right, that's Bart. And so, hot tag. Uh, it's time for Drew, and uh, Drew is is here, and it is time for Prem and Proper, the review. So I have to hang on just a second and properly promote what's going on. <laughs> Looking back at hashtag fest. Let me see now. I was trying to write as Bart was trying to, to wrap his segment. Uh, let's see. Be a part. It'd be good if you could spell, you idiot, of the conversation at TV. See, Drew, this is me. This is me trying to sit here and go, okay, I wasn't properly prepared in trying to promote your segment coming in at 1030 because I know this is a hit and run for you. Uh, go ahead with your opening monologue, sir, and uh, let me know what you think about festive fixtures. 
I, I've, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought all of, you know, wasn't too many, um, you know, as opposed to that Everton and Wolves game on Saturday. I mean, fairly close games, lots of good games, very exciting. And like I said, it just gave, it just gave people some time who aren't used to it or would love to watch games what they have to work. I mean, if you couldn't find time to, to, to enjoy at least one game over the last like 10 days, uh, you know, I feel a little bad for you. And uh, Rich Ransom is is in this morning, and he uh, he truly did appreciate your your proper greeting, because as we always know, prem and proper is too sweet for life, baby. <laughs> uh, let me ask you about Wayne Rooney. Uh, we led with okay. Wayne this morning, and he was opening kickoff. And, and to continue our our, our wrestling references. We we mentioned that Birmingham City screwed Birmingham City, much like yeah. Matt. Birmingham City screwed Birmingham City. You had John Eustace. You were sixth in the table, and you're like, ooh, 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 shiny object, shiny object. Ooh, well, let's get Wayne Rooney. You get Wayne Rooney, and now you're twentieth. What you, what did you think about a Rooney as higher at Birmingham City, and now being shown the door where he thinks he didn't get enough time to do stuff? Well, I mean. This look. This is what's going to boil down to. Um, I I've haven't you know done you know as much research into Wayne Rooney's Birmingham City time. But what you can do is you can do a little compare and contrast. What did he What did he offer for DC United that ha- helped excel the club of DC United? Not much, except for jersey sales and you know more people at the stadium. I I, I guess. But you know, John. Just because somebody's a great football player or soccer player does not mean it's gonna it's gonna you know resonate on the bench, you know when clearly his personality isn't resonating. I you know uh, Wayne Rooney's got the personality of a wet mop, so I don't really understand how you how any of that resonates with kids in a locker room. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I need somebody who I want to fight for. I need somebody I want to go to war with and. I just I, I never saw that in Wayne unless I was on the field playing with him. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the on the field version versus the off the field translation, I think, is what you're you're getting at there. So yeah, he they were sixth when he started. They're now twentieth in the championship, six points out of the relegation zone right now. And mm-hmm. it was uh, they in those fifteen matches that he was in charge, they only bless you, they only won twice. And obviously, yep. that was good enough for dead blanking last in the championship for that 15-match period, least number of points gained by any team there. And Rooney admits he's, you know, he's probably got a, he's got to look at stuff, and you wonder if he's going to take a break or if someone is, is going to sit there and go, yeah, Wayne, come on in. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But it was, uh, it was, in, it was an intriguing hire. But Birmingham City screwed Birmingham City when you were sixth, and now you're twentieth. Well, I mean, you also, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, you just got a shiny, sexy object in coming into the ownership with Tom Brady. So let's get a shiny, sexy object to stand on the sideline that everybody in the country knows, everybody in the country can get around or get behind. But again, it just it just goes back to what we what we just said, you know, just because you can score 20 goals on the field doesn't mean you can coach another person to score 20 goals on the field. So. I think he should take a break. I think take a break. Um, go watch Kai play. Um, enjoy your kids. And if the right opportunity comes around again, jump at it. But I think Rooney needs to develop himself. I mean, look, he's turning himself into a Frank Lampard. You know, I mean, is Lampard ever going to get a job again? Mm. 
<laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know about that, brother. But you know, it's got to be one where where he fits, and the owners have patience in trying to make sure that he is going to uh, do what he sets out to do. Uh, we're at either nineteen or twenty matches, depending on who has played, who hasn't played. We've got one match today officially to end festive fixtures with. Uh, yeah with uh, West Ham and Brighton coming up this afternoon. Survivors of festive fixtures, I guess you could say that Liverpool continues to be a survivor in festive fixtures, but there's Manchester City kind of uh, lurking with that match in hand. I mean, if they, if they when they win that match in hand, and you imagine that they will, they will only be two points behind Liverpool. And Bart has already put his, his hands over his head because – he heard that high whistle, but yeah, Arsenal, one point in their last three matches, and now Arsenal is looking up at Liverpool where Arsenal was on top. Well, we you asked me about it. Is it the last week or the week before last? And I said, just wait. Wait <laughs> till the new year hits and Arsenal will Arsenal. And sure enough, they did. And But I, I, I want to give Arsenal credit. Not yeah. credit for what, is, what has happened, but credit because – their ownership and their manager, they have ambition. They want to win. So with the transfer window window open, whether it's Ivan Tony or somebody else, they're going to bring in a striker. They're going to bring in a goal scorer because, honestly, that's all they lack. You know, they lack that true number nine. I mean, a lot of teams do, but if they find that goal scorer, and I'm not too sure Ivan Tony kind of matches the the play style of Mikel Arteta, but I will say he's, he's scoring 20 goals a season in the Premier League, and that's very hard to find a 2020 season goal scorer and if they can figure out a way to put that ball in the back of the net you know the sky's the limit for them for the rest of the season rich actually does make the point rooney took birmingham city from 6th to 20th in 15 matches was sacked before dc united has even announced his replacement that should tell you two things about two separate franchises uh mid-season mvps let's let's do this uh your mid-season most valuable player most important player, however you want to phrase it. Who's your mid-season MVP in the Premier League? I've got two. Okay. And um, I'm going to start with the complete evaporation of confidence that Manchester City has without their number nine on the field. It, You know, he's he's scored 14 goals this season, and he's, what, missed the last four, maybe three, four games in the Premier League. And you can see that they struggle, but – I, with him on the field, they they're just a whole, they're just a different, just a whole different ball game. So I, I it might be an obvious pick, but I'm I, I will stick with um, Erlen Holland as one. But it, but I, it's going to maybe a shock. But I'm really enjoying what Ollie Watkins has brought to the table for Aston Villa mm-hmm. in the first half of this season. Uh, where would they be without him? Um, and it's. It's the robbery, you know, with with Southgate at the helm. You, there's been robberies, you know, since since the World Cup of players not getting picked. But Calvin Phillips, who's played maybe 90 minutes of football this season, being chosen to go represent England over James Ward-Prowse is a crime. And those <laughs> those three players with Holland, Ollie Watkins, and what Ward-Prowse has brought to West Ham, who are absolutely flying right now. Okay, I said two, so I, and I and I and I brought out three, but th- that's that's those are the three names that come to mind for me. What about you? 
No, I'm I'm right there with you. I like I like Ollie Watkins. Uh, I'll give you Dominic Stolanke from Bournemouth. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Trust me, I know. With with, uh, with what we've seen from him, and I'll, I'll give you Emmy Martinez from Aston Villa. You you went offense. I'll go defense. And and when you have somebody like uh, like Emmy Martinez between the sticks to to help you out, obviously that that's going to work really well. I think you you got to look at somebody like Yon Minson for uh, what he's been able to do with the the offense that Ange has put together. That Spurs is another part of that discussion. So then leaning to take, taking your your MVPs and throwing them into a pile. Does that mean that Unai Emery is your manager of the midway point? Yes, 100%. And if Spurs wouldn't have gotten completely rattled with injuries, I mean, that James Madison injury has is murdered them. I mean, you can tell he is. And listen, John, if things would have gone well for him health-wise, he would have been right up there in the MVP of the first half of the season as well. But um, I, I lost my train of thought. What did you ask me? Oh, uh, just uh, now we were talking about uh, manager of the year for the halfway point. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how to say his name correctly, but we'll stay. We'll stick with Ange, like you said, yeah. uh, the Tottenham Tottenham head coach. Yeah. If, if 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 that injury, you know, if those injuries wouldn't have happened, because they were absolutely flying as well. But John, you, how can you not give it to Unai Emery? It's it just be it'd be strange to not because what he has done. In such a short amount of time, picking up the pieces that Gerard left, if there are any, he has just, I mean, unbelievable. It's they're, they're fun to watch. I know we've only got you. This is, we're going to tra- we're going to treat it like the Canadian Football League. Three minute warning, and uh, Rosie's going to come in here in a second. Biggest disappointment of the uh, the halfway point. I I, I mean, I'm going to put on my put on my bias hat here, but I think we both know who the most disappointed is Manchester United. Okay. Um, the from every aspect, from I mean, we know that the ownership and the board that just to me that just gets kind of you know it's, it's like beating a dead horse. We know the Glazers are crap, but at some point, at some point, those million dollar a month players have to start performing. And if we want to go the biggest player, we can say Andre Onana. I mean, the, the, you know, as far as um, somebody who came in with such high regard, you know the. Could have won the Champions League MVP if Inter didn't lose in the final. Um, but one of the best goalkeepers we've seen in a long time. And he's come into this United squad and single-handedly pushed them out of Europe. So there's got to be a lot of changes coming. We don't know what's going to come this month with the transfer windows. United's not very um, – even with Fergie around, they were never big, you know, really keen on January signings. But real quick, we've heard names mentioned like Chupa Moting and Timo Werner and Thomas Mueller, what's the obsession with this club and getting has-beens at the January break to try and improve the squad? It's it's very frustrating. And we, we've seen what Werner can do in the Premier League, which was nothing. So I I, I just don't get it. But, yeah, I, I think United is is one of the biggest disappointments so far. Do, do, you, do you concur? Do you have uh, something no, for I'm, me? I'm down, I'm down with that. Uh, according to Ben Jacobs, Surgeon Ratcliffe is in Manchester today for meetings. The main aim is to yep. make introductions to staff across all departments including Eric Ten Hag, and learn more about the club operations. Ineos still plan to make the majority of key decisions after completion and a strategic review. So that is from uh, that's from Ben Jacobs this morning when it comes to uh, Surgeon Ratcliffe rolling in. Um, you know, you can't say, and this, and I'm going to, to look at the rest of the table. We're talking disappointments. 
you can't, I cannot put Brighton in there because this is their first time ever in European competition, and you're trying to balance that schedule with the Premier League schedule with not being 100% because of injuries. And that's the same reason that I will say that Newcastle is not a disappointment because you could have an, an, an all-injured starting 11 and a starting 11 for Eddie Howe. Uh, yep. Actually, you want another one? Chelsea. But it also oh. seems to be a running gag. You know, it's like, okay, what, what, how do we fix this problem? Let's throw more money at it. And, <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, Bully Clear Lake, they're, they're like, yeah, okay. Uh, a billion dollars in transfers, and you are mid-table. You are the beginning of group number three in 10th place right now. And, and obviously, uh, you know, Pochettino uh, has uh, you know, taken the shackles off of Madueke, and, you know, Noni Madueke has done really well his last handful of matches. But I just I feel for Pochettino because the expectations are so high, and it, it's, almost, it's almost like Nottingham Forest. The, the solution is to buy more players and spend more money and have the manager sit there and sort it all out. And then the ownership group or Evangelinus Maranakis just gets mad because you can't do it. And now Steve Cooper's gone. And Steve Cooper will probably end up taking over for Roy Hodgson because Roy Hodgson at 76 is pretty much over it all. And when he leaves Crystal Palace, Steve Cooper's coming in on a free. And I think Forrest has screwed that up. So I would say yep. uh, disappointing Chelsea. And disappointing owners, but once again, when you're like 20 dudes in a in the sandbox, capital T, capital S, that's what you're staring at. Uh, I know you've got to go. Last thoughts from Festive Fixtures, and what else are you looking forward to quick? Um, Festive Fixtures, you know, not really many more thoughts as opposed to just it, it, you can't you can't not love it. So many games, so much time to, to just just enjoy what what we all love, and that's and that's this that's just this, this this beautiful game. Um, I will. I do want to say one thing. I want to. I like what you said about Brighton. Also, a lot of people have to remember as well. No McCall, no McAllister, and no Saucedo, who helped them get to where they are, and they're still sitting in the top ten in the Premier League right now. Uh, Deserby just deserves everything. You know, just all the accolades. But United, uh, they don't play again until the eighth, which I just love. It's a. I think it's a FA Cup third round right. against Wigan, and that's. I think that game you'll see a similar, you know, more similarities in what the lineup has been. But I think come January 14th, he's going to release the Hounds. And I think we'll see that starting 11 that we saw against Arsenal earlier in the season before everyone got injured. Um, I, I'm excited about it. I, no guarantees when it comes from Ten Hag because we saw that second half. He was so excited to revert back to that McTominay project. And once he did, everything just fell apart. So, uh, you know, it, you don't get excited for United games anymore because you, you you just don't know what to expect. The inconsistency and just those million those frauds out on the field they just got, they got to start to play. They did they have to. Oh boy, uh, Manchester United is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going <laughs> to. So perfect. Yes. All right, uh, Drew. Uh, thanks again for hanging out, and we will continue th continue things with Prem and Proper. Get back to the real world, sir. We'll catch up soon. I'll be uh I'll be on Thursday uh, Friday for the 3D. Happy New Friday. Year everybody. We'll talk to you, you soon. All right, bye. All right. He's out. Drew's out. He's got to go cuz he's got real world stuff. Uh Abby good to see you as always. Uh <laughs> Emilia wish Emilia wishing the the worst. <laughs> Emilia wants Rooney to go to the union <laughs> when Jim Curtin leaves. Wow. Yes, Hutch. That that is true.
Hutch is like uh, Manchester United is like a box of chocolates melting in the sunshine of competition. Not wrong. Uh, Spurs have confirmed that the Pape Matasar, Matasar has signed a new contract till 2030. Six-year deal. But as we all know, what do we say? It's about controlling the asset. It's about controlling the asset. That is what you're looking at here with uh, with that. You sign, some, you sign somebody and uh, you sign them for a long-term deal. Like I said, Mikhailo Mudrik, eight-year deal. It's to defray cost and to control the asset. Uh, Jesse Lingard looks like he is set up for a return. Uh, <laughs> uh, back at the game, we mentioned Wayne Rooney. And so uh, for the rest of the show, we'll do gossip, rumor, and innuendo. Uh, Ralph Hassenhudel is ready to return to management amid links with the Birmingham City job. A bunch of a bunch of coaches have been mentioned. Uh, Gary Rowett, and, and with a return, even and linked with a return, and even John Eustace, who was sacked, is in contention. This is courtesy of our friends at Talk Sport. Hassenhudel, Steve Cooper. Now I'm not thinking Steve Cooper is going to go back, but uh, so I would say Ralph Hassenhudel, Gary Rowett, and even John Eustace. Okay. Uh, Saeed Benrama could leave West Ham in January with a number of clubs interested in the Algerian forward. Four starts, 12 appearances in total, no goals. According to the four-letter paper, Benrama made his frustration clear with the club and David Moyes, ready to move him on. Fulham and Lyon, two clubs to be keen. Uh, Benrama left out of Algeria's AFCON squad, valued at around $20 million by the Hammers. Uh, West Ham could reignite their interest in Wolves captain Max Kilman. Moyes is a long-term admirer of Kilman, who was on the Hammers' list of potential targets when they received uh, their 105 million pounds for Declan Rice. Kilman only signed a new five-year deal at the Molyneux after the Wolves rejected a 30 million pound offer from Napoli. Not expected to sell him this month, but remain under strict financial restrictions to stay on the right side of FFP. Uh, Newcastle face being forced to cash in on one of their crown jewels to raise funds for summer signings. Once again, keep an eye on FFP, and it might be Bruno Guimaraes. Has a 100 million pound release clause in his contract. Sven Botman, Alexander Isak are the most sellable assets if they have to turn. Maybe Newcastle have to follow Villa's example when they cashed in on Grealish to fund the squad that has started the turnaround. Uh, also, uh, Sar, 21-year-old Senegalese international, 33 appearances for Spurs and all comps since signing from Mets in 2021 uh other gossip and rumor and innuendo and we'll start with our friends at the bbc and once again with the window open you're gonna get a lot of it so here's what we got liverpool and real madrid want psg's mbappe free to sign for another club this month psg leading contenders to sign calvin phillips from manchester city Manchester United, Liverpool head the queue of clubs who want Joshua Kimmich when his Bayern Munich contract runs out at the end of the season. Liverpool and Spurs weighing up summer moves for Wang Hee Chan from Wolves. Spurs are also pushing to complete the signing of Radu Dragosin by the end of the week. That's from the four-letter paper. West Ham have contacted Spurs about a deal for Eric Dyer, who's been out of favor since Ange showed up. Manchester City are among a host of teams tracking 18-year-old defender Lenny Yoro, but Lille won at least 78 million pounds. Hakim Zayech could return to Chelsea this month as Galatasaray are planning to terminate his season-long loan. 
Liverpool are monitoring Genoa's Danish midfielder Morten Frendrup, but a January move is unlikely. Forest have opened up talks with PSG about re-signing Kaylor Navas, who spent the second half of last season on loan at City Ground and helped keep them up. Newcastle want Chelsea's 19-year-old Brazilian defender Andre Santos, whose loan at Nottingham Forest is expected to be terminated this month. Newcastle have made a contract, have made contact with representatives of Sporting Lisbon's 20-year-old Ivorian defender Usman Diamande regarding a potential summer deal. Burnley winger Manuel Benson is in talks with Hull City after the club's verbally agreed a loan deal until the end of the year. Fulham have triggered a one-year contract extension for club captain Scotland midfielder Tom Kearney after his recent form. That's from the three-letter paper. Take the information at your own peril. West Ham. We talked about uh, Saeed Benrama. Chelsea have started the process of signing 24-year-old Nice defender Jean-Claire Todibo, who is also wanted by Manchester United and Tottenham. Arsenal could recall Kieran Tierney from his loan at Real Sociedad following the injury to Oleksandr Zinchenko. Chelsea, keen on Germany's U-17 World Cup winner David Odogu, the 17-year-old Wolfsburg defender who has not played a senior game in the Bundesliga is also interesting Leicester City. Three-letter paper. Take the information at your own peril. And former Arsenal striker, and this is from AS Diario. We mentioned Carlos Vela earlier in the show. Arsenal striker, former Arsenal striker, and that's how they phrase it. Carlos Vela could return to Real Sociedad on a short-term deal. He also has an offer from Cruz Azul. So keep an eye on those two. Keep an eye on those two. Uh, we'll keep an eye on all that stuff. So that's your gossip rumor and innuendo on Monday. Um, all right, so here's uh, what to watch and where to watch it. CBS Sports Network at noon, St. Mirren and Celtic. USA, West Ham and Brighton is at 2.30. That's also being simulcast on Universo. ESPN Plus has a triple header in La Liga. Hatafe Rayo Vallecano at 11. Real Sociedad Deportivo Alaves at 1.15. Valencia and Villarreal at 3.30. Copa Italia's round of 16 is at 3 o'clock with AC Milan and Cagliari. Things kind of pick up tomorrow with action in France and Spain and Italy. Super Cup goes on tomorrow. It's on BN and BN in Espanol. And for those of you that do not have BN, for those of you that do not have, uh, you know, say, Teise, CDO, for the fans, uh, Liga, Liga, uh, Liga, uh, Liga One Max, all those places, uh, being able to watch the Brasileiro, you can do it in one place, Fanatis, FNTZ.co, slash soccer down here. Helps the network out, helps the show out. And it's uh, for for those of you that really want to see places uh, that aren't off the beaten track, or you might not have the chance to see Gold TV, another one of those. You can pick it up at Fanatis, FNTZ.co, slash soccer down here. Uh, there was another story that I wanted to uh, get into this morning. And we, we mentioned PSG and we mentioned uh we mentioned Mbappe and his future, and it has to do with uh, Nasser El Khalifi, the head of PSG. And it was a story that Mediapart came across uh, yesterday, and I'm going to see if I can find it. And it has to do basically with uh, Khalifi avoiding any kind of interaction 
with the gendarme by sitting in his airplane. So uh, it was just an interesting piece. And let me see if I can find it really quickly here. Uh, when it came to literally hiding in his airplane so he would not have to uh, be uh, confronted by police. Locked himself in his private jet to try to escape the police while Qatari oilmen threatened the police and telephone ministers Catherine Colonna and Gerald Darmanal. So from Mediapart, yes, always translate French. Uh, apparently the Qataris put pressure on the French government. This is from Jan Filipino, and it came out last night. During the police operation which targeted him in July, Regarding the detention of a lobbyist in Qatar, the PSG boss locked himself in his plane for an hour while Qatari dignitaries threatened the police and made telephone calls to two ministers. The press conference had to be postponed. All right, so uh, surprise, which Nasser al-Khalafi would have done well without. July 5th, the Qatari president of PSG flies from Doha to Paris to attend the presentation of Luis Enrique. Mediapart revealed press conference had to be postponed by two and a half hours because police officers were waiting for Nasser Al-Khalafi on the airport tarmac in order to seize his phone and search his home. That's not necessarily the best thing in the world. So, uh, lesson learned. Uh, you know, if you're, if the, if the police want to talk to you, uh, you know, maybe you should just let them ask you questions instead of sitting on your plane and calling in a couple of a uh, couple of calling a calling a couple of uh, other ministers Catherine Kalana and Gerald Darmanoff so you know Philippine uh, it's behind a pay window but it was an interesting it was an interesting uh, story about revelations from media part in France so yeah Nasser al-Khalafi uh, hit on his airplane in July so he wouldn't have to uh, have a discussion with the police. Uh, the other thing that uh, I wanted to get into uh, before we go, and like I said, next time Nick comes on, I want to uh, discuss with him a couple of things having to do with uh, Redbird Financial, Jerry Cardinal, and what we talked about last week involving the discontinuing of one of the, the bylaws in Italy to, to help out teams where uh, it's been on the books for a while, but now that it's being discontinued, and there's, there's a lot of concern that Syria, because they wouldn't be able to bring in higher profile players, wouldn't be able to match salaries, that Syria might be left behind because of uh, laws in Italy that are on the books that are uh, going to be. Yeah, not uh, not used anymore, and so there's a, a great concern about this. And the other one, the other element that I wanted to uh, get into with uh, with Nick is the possibility that AC Milan might be up for sale, and Jerry Cardinal might be looking to to uh, get out of his investment. And that was something that. Uh, it looks like, and it, was, it came from our friends at uh, Italian Football TV and uh, and IFTV in and of itself. So keep an eye on Redbird and keep an eye on 
the uh, the idea of a possible sale from Jerry Cardinal and Redbird. So we'll keep an eye on that also as part of the news of the day when it comes to just, just down the line a little bit. And there was uh, another story from our friends at Italian Football TV. You know how we always have the, the Nicholas Bentner stories? Uh, you know, Mondays with Bentner has today turned into Tuesdays with Bentner because of a an interview that he did where he was discussing training against Chiellini under Antonio Conte at Juve. So here's what Bentner said. So Tuesdays with Bentner. I wish we had a drop or something. But Tuesdays with Bentner, quote, I didn't arrive at Juve in the best shape, but after four months of not playing, I was set to start a match. In the last training session before the game, Conte wanted us to practice corner kicks, but not in the traditional ways, just me versus Chiellini. Conte wanted me to go head-to-head with Chiellini and do 30 corner kicks. 30! All the other players just stood there watching us, and if I won a duel against him, then Buffon was the goalkeeper. I don't need to explain that I didn't score, do I? I've never met someone like Chiellini, a top player and an even better person, but I'm telling you guys, I never met someone who ate more Parmesan on their food than he did holy-ish. So Lord Bentner, via the Stolpe Independent Podcast and Morton Baring, who's been a Juve fan since the early 90s. He's a licensed coach and a member of the Danish Juve podcast. So Morton Baring on the Stolpe End podcast gets that story from Lord Bentner about going up against Chiellini. But I did not know. I did not know, and not really a surprise, mind you, but I did not know that Chiellini uh, put more Parmesan on his food than the average bear. Definitely something that I did not know. Uh, Once again, before we go, I mentioned it earlier about uh, our next uh, our next help of uh, oh Alex. Yeah, we got to ask Bart next time if he's recovered from his Duke's Mayo overdose. I don't know. I don't know if he. uh, I don't know if he has. But apparently, you know, he he tried it on a pepperoni roll, and that drew the ire of the Episcopalian diocese of the state of West Virginia. And we'll have to we'll find out if uh, Bart has to go and. And he has to properly atone by going to uh, uh, going to uh, West Virginia. Back to our original discussion. Uh, MLS wants you to believe that what happens in Miami helps your team. When we were discussing, where I was maintaining that, you know, you do you. Don't get bogged down in Messi and friends. Don't get bogged down in what's going on at LAFC. Don't get bogged down in that stuff. Focus on what's going on with you. Build you. Build you. As we go to MLS 3.0, MLS 3.5, whatever you want to phrase it. MLS wants you to believe that what happens in Miami, according to Rich, helps your team. Might make you more competitive. I mean, in the sense of, you know, you're keeping an eye on what you need to do within your own system. Keep an eye on your own system. Don't worry about what's going on over there. They're going to focus on themselves. Let them do that. Let them focus on what they want to do for an encore. Emilio, I don't think most teams have the image of Miami and L.A. Uh, oh, Tom, yeah, we got to talk about that. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. Let me put that. Let me put a bookmark in that. So uh, World Soccer Talk, NWSL versus USLS. Okay, so we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, the other thing, uh, 
let's see. Let's uh, going back and trying to see if there was anything that I missed. Uh, oh, the the point that you guys were making early on, and it had to do with uh, oh, it had to do with the conversation about nothing being heard from Atlanta United. Uh, I mean, I would say that. Josh Cohen was a it was a deal, but it just wasn't in the window. Um, just because you don't hear anything, and I want to I want to get to the actual words. Oh, okay, uh, all right. Let me hang on just a second. Okay, so Tom says our rumor mill has ground to a bit of a halt. No, not sure if that's good or bad. And then Emilio says, longer it goes, more likely they won't be ready by opening day. Fact. I would posit this, and we'll wrap the show up with this. And you can apply it to whatever team you, you want to talk about. Just because you don't hear anything doesn't mean there's nothing going on. There's like nine negatives in that sentence, I know. But just because you didn't don't hear anything, your favorite team's front office doesn't have to knock on your door every day or go on your social media accounts. Hey, we're chasing after this guy. They they don't they don't do that. Just because you don't hear rumors doesn't mean there aren't negotiations going on with players. And I mean, we we talked about Gregerson and uh you know, there was the the talk about, you know, Gregerson coming in to be a part of things. And then we talked about uh the the other player from Lazio Warsaw last week. Schlees. Just because you don't hear anything now since we are in January doesn't mean there isn't stuff going on. And the more that you would sit there in a front office and go, well, yeah, we're chasing after this guy, this guy, and this guy. You make yourself vulnerable in that, in in a negotiating sense, not not in a, uh, you know, hey, oh, here's who they're chasing after. You then alert by saying things publicly. You then alert if you're a front office. You sit there and say, "Okay, well, we're chasing after, you know, we're chasing after ropes." Just as an, as an example, we want ropes to come in and help us at the back. Other teams sit there and go, "Oh, there's something, there's something there." You got other teams chasing after ropes too that might need help at the back. What that does is it drives up the price. Because if there's interest from multiple clubs, then what that does is that all that does is help out the team that Ropes already plays for. That's all that does. You need to keep this stuff quiet. You need to keep it under your hat. You don't need to have everybody, every other team poking around in your business. That's why they're talking to Schlees. That's why they're talking to Leisure Warsaw. That's why they're talking to Gregerson over at Bordeaux about those possibly probably allegedly maybe because they're over there in Europe allegedly talking about players and bringing them in that stuff gets public other teams start kicking the tires it doesn't do you any good keeps the price down you've already got a keeper in Cohen coming in your keepers right now are Brad Q Cohen, John Burner with the twos, and then everyone in the academy. 
Nash Skoglin went to South Carolina. It's a great pickup for Tony Annan. You got to keep it out of the public purview. That's what you always want to do. You want to negotiate in private. Let the rumor mill be what it is. If your players get mentioned, great. Fantastic. Gives us stuff to talk about, and we'll keep digging for it, too. And I love the fact that you guys have your heads on a swivel, and you'll sit there and you'll drop something in the Twitch pitch when you find something about somebody. That's how we had the discussion about Sting Gregerson. But this stuff gets public. If if a front office, doesn't matter which front office we're talking about, if any front office sits there and goes, you know, hey, we're chasing after so-and-so. All you're doing is opening the door to the store. Hey, I wanted that computer. Sorry, I got it first. I grabbed it. I want that big TV. Sorry, it's the last one in the store. I grabbed it first. By telling folks that you're chasing after folks, you limit your own opportunities to get what you want at the end of the day. So it's all it's all out there. Uh, yeah. And Tom, specifically why you mentioned the rumor mill. I'm now very used to the fact the front office tight-lipped and rightly so. And, and Emilio, to your point, yeah, a matter of players being ready to start instead of being ready in April. You get the secrecy. Oh, I understand that. But that's what training camp is for. And by the way, uh, yeah, we're probably heading over to Birmingham. So you want to you want to bring in folks. I know you want to bring them in uh, as early as you possibly can. But once again, you know, teams, the the desired individuals, those teams are going to hang on to those guys as long as they can to try to get the best deal. Unless the team is really ready to sell. So what you want versus what the club wants that you're chasing after the player if it's not in the public opinion, then they're going to hang on to it to try to see if they can uh, drum some of that up. That's why they're going to hang on to the player as long as they can. That's why Yakamakis was as late as it was. Because Celtic wanted all the talk from Urawa Red Diamonds. You have to say that slowly. They wanted all the talk and all the money. They wanted the money from Urawa. So there you go. Uh Back to OSG Sports, the review. Tom says, by the way, unrelated. Come to the conclusion in the last 24 hours, Florida State's the most delusional fan base in all of sports based on the 280-character timeline. Anyway, um, as an alum, I tried to be uh, open-minded about it, about the whole thing. But when 27 of your players... Five, uh, nine linemen, both sides of the ball. So one-third of the players that are out, either by opting out, portaling, or being injured. The 20, it, it showed, that game in particular showed, that the 27 players that were out for Florida State were far more needed than the 23 that opted out for the University of Georgia. Made this point on that show. By the way, go to OSG Sports. You can, you can search that out on Spreaker. It's also available on YouTube and all social media channels. OSG Sports, the review. We talked about it. Uh, we talked about it a lot, and we talked about it on this week's show, which is posted. If you are, if you're at the University of Georgia, you had seven players who were injured. 
Bowers, Mims, etc. But the players that were portaling, the 16 or 17 of them that were portaling, the 16 that were portaling, 16 portaling, 7 injured. And uh, Alex, uh, if you need, I mean, I can tell you all about communications, but uh, if that's seriously, it might be a little pricey because of -of out-of-state tuition. It was for me. I had to go GSLs. But uh, thank you for leaning toward Florida State. But for Florida State in and of itself in college football, the 16 players that were portaling for the University of Georgia, I could only think of five from my time in covering high school football in the state of Georgia that I knew. That I knew. But it showed that the 27 players that they lost were far more impactful than the 16 that were not, that were just portaling anyway. Tom's point, uh, more referring to the fact that every Florida State fan on the app trying to tell you that because Alabama lost, they shouldn't have been there over FSU. Ridiculous. If it wasn't Alabama, it should have been Georgia over FSU anyway. That's probably true. Yes, absolutely awesome. See, Alex, that's important. Alex says she's in-state because she was born there and has Florida prepaid. That's pretty smart. Yeah, if you can get in-state tuition, I don't know if they still have the Gordon rule. Uh, Gordon rule, when I was in school in the University of Florida system, you had to stay a summer if you came in with less than 40 hours. So I got my degree in two years and nine months. I took 21 uh, hours the first summer that I, the summer that I was there. So I was a junior by the time I'd gotten to my 12 months of uh, time in Tallahassee. My first 12 months were done. I was already a junior. Came in with nine. And then I took, uh, yeah, I was. I mean, uh, Hutch, my main goal when I got into school was to get out and do this for a living. Got out in two years and nine months. Got out a year a year ahead of my class. But I kind of forgot that, yeah, there were folks who were a year ahead of me that were also chasing after the same jobs I wanted. So uh, good idea in principle. But at the same time, because of all the GSLs that uh, I had to take, get in, get out, GSLs. And so that way it was 8,000 instead of 80 if I'd wanted to go to Southern Cal. Move, move the decimal point over, and that's where I could have gone. Got into Southern Cal, San Diego State, Florida State. Was honors at San Diego State, couldn't get an apartment. Had an apartment on campus at the University of Southern California across from the baseball field, but at 20 grand a year, that wasn't going to happen. Three years, eight grand GSLs out. That's what it was for me at Florida State. You can get in-state tuition wherever you're going. Go for it. Go for it. Exactly. Got to get in to get out. But I mean, when it came to the playoff anyway, and we made this point over on the, the college football show, you're trying to program a three-episode miniseries. And what is going to make good television? You want who shot JR. You want Rachel kissing Ross after looking at the uh, the uh, the video from behind the scenes from prom. Uh, you want those moments. An injured quarterback for Florida State in Jordan Travis 
meant that Tate Rodemaker, who was coming off concussion protocol and watching Brock Glenn, a redshirt freshman, uh, be ineffective against Louisville in the ACC championship game, meant that Florida State was not going to be quality television, even if Tate was going to come back from concussion protocol. Florida State was not going to make a good television show. And that's what these three games are. It is a television miniseries. And what you got with Alabama and Michigan was a great television episode. What you got from Washington and Texas was a great television episode. Now, you're hoping that for the third episode in the miniseries, the conclusion of the series, you're going to get that with Michigan and Washington which really should just be held in the Rose Bowl anyway. NRG, get in price at $1,600. That was before the game to the, the semifinal started. Probably going to go up a little bit. But you are programming a television miniseries. Georgia would give that to you. Alabama, because of when they beat Georgia, stepped ahead of them in line. Michigan and Alabama gave it to you. Washington and Texas gave it to you. Florida State and Michigan would not have given that to you. I'm an alum and I get it because of all the time I've worked in TV. So that was uh, that was uh, that was basically the thoughts on all of that. Let me check the rumor mill one more time before we go. See if anything else has happened before uh, before we get out of here. Once again, uh, back at it again, nine oh five tomorrow morning. And hopefully Dylan Butler gets uh, permission to hang out with us to start the new year. And we will uh, we'll rock and roll from there. So uh, Lee Carsley, England's U21 coach, is also being considered for the Birmingham City Manager. Considered by Stoke before they went to Stephen Schumacher. So those are the, uh, the, the rumors from our friends at TalkSport. Uh, once again, Jenny Hermoso from Ben Jacobs uh, testified to a Madrid court that a kiss from Luis Rubiales was not consensual. The judge will now decide whether Rubiales will be tried for sexual assault and coercion. Hermoso, leaving the court, said all is in the hands of justice. That's all I can say in quote. So uh, Lu- Luis Rubiales in court uh, in Madrid looks like he might be in more trouble. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Once again, I'm buzzing through here. Uh, Everton are the ones considering Jesse Lingard the lifeline. Relegation threatened Toffees could offer Lingard a short-term deal to the end of the year. Uh, Let's see. We mentioned what's going on with uh, Newcastle. And I think that'll do it. I think that works. Uh Gabrielle was a bit out there at that point. Great. Oh, 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 look at you guys uh, dropping old Genesis references. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we'll be back at it again, 9.05 in the morning. Once again, oh, before we, before we go, one more time. Uh, there's the scarf. That's from uh, our friends at Die Hard. That's going to help out the Marshall Island Soccer Federation. More details coming up in weeks as we figure out how to uh, make sure that we can all help out the Marshall Islands and bring the the national team forward with them. And so, like I said, they're trying to do stuff here like October. And so we want this to try to help out and be a fundraiser for our friends at the Marshall Islands. That's the scarf, both sides, summer scarf. When we find out price point, we'll let you know. But uh, 
Nick did a really good job and our friends at uh, Die Hard did a really good job in trying to come up with a way to support the Marshall Islands going forward. So we went into extra time. They held up the banner. We went right through it. And so now um, that's going to do it for the day. Back at it again, 9.05 tomorrow morning. Once again, thanks to Drew. Thanks to Bart for parachuting in. Thanks to you guys for starting off 2024, as we always do. Be back at it again, 9.05 tomorrow morning. Hopefully Dylan Butler can join us. And we will go from there. So uh, as we always say, which applaud to y'all play it safe. And since it's the end of the show, that means I get to do this for the first time in 2024. It's another round of SDH. We'll see you tomorrow.